1: brian caram
0: hi welcome back it's just asked the question i am your host brian caram and this uh, is our sunday edition where we take a look at the wonderful things that have happened in the world and the country in the last week and as usual there's a boatload of shit to talk about <laughs> with me is our Our usual contributors, John Bennett, Michael Zeldin, Michael, who got bumped from CNN and (laughs) for a show yesterday, and John, who's uh, celebrating a a win from, well, yeah, you want to talk about, we'll we'll talk about it, we'll we'll talk about football later, (laughs) right now, let's talk about, um, before, well, uh, before we get to what we're going to talk about, we got a break for this important commercial message to pay the bills, so stick around, we'll be right
1: back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth, with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.
0: Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. With me is John Bennett from CQ Roll Call. I didn't forget that, Michael. (laughs) And Michael Selden, former federal prosecutor, CNN contributor, and uh, who got bumped because some prints went on TV this week. Can you believe it? So uh, we're going to start this. We're going to start the week. Well, we're going to talk about the special master ruling that uh, evidently Donald Trump still thinks he's the master of his domain. Uh, Michael, what's the what's the take on that this week with the with a special master being appointed and then the DOJ as uh, Bill Barr said they should uh, uh, you know try to appeal it? So bring us up to date.
2: Right. So you remember they searched Mar-a-Lago and they take out documents. The FBI creates two teams: a filter team and a an unfiltered team the filter team reviews all the documents and sets aside those documents which it considers to be privileged and the rest of the documents go to the investigative team the the non-filtered team trump filed a lawsuit saying we don't trust the justice department the fbi to do that filter unfiltered team designation of documents we want our own person, our own special master, the court to appoint a special master to do it instead of DOJ. DOJ objects saying essentially the search of the documents and filtering has been done and it's not necessary. The judge in a unprecedented ruling, I think, legally unprecedented ruling, decided that there should be a special master, which, you know, in itself is not unprecedented, but, you know, why do you consider
0: it unprecedented? I'm going to get
2: to that. Ah, okay. get um, it's so. It's not unprecedented to have special masters. They do it often when attorneys' offices are searches searched, like Rudy Giuliani's office and Michael Cohen's office. They were special masters to filter through attorney-client privileged stuff. Here, what was unprecedented was that the judge said, "Not only am I going to appoint a, a special master, but I'm going to tell the justice department they cannot continue." their criminal investigation until this special master process is done. So you have the judiciary essentially telling the executive branch, it can't investigate crime, um, which is unheard of. As well, the judge ruled that not only with the special master review, attorney-client related matters, the normal stuff, but that special master would review content for executive privilege. Now, of course, executive privilege is a privilege that resides within the executive branch. So again, she's interposing a judicial um, review of executive branch, essentially internal functioning. So the DOJ said, look, this is way too much. And we're telling you this, if you don't sort of stop your order. If you don't get rid of this order in respect of stopping us from investigating and allowing um, the, the special master to review executive privilege stuff, we're appealing. So you got till September 15th, either figure this out judge or we are going to appeal. And we think that you will lose on appeal even though the 11th circuit is packed with conservative uh, judges. And so we're waiting to see what the judge does on September 15th, which is the DOJ deadline. Many people think that they should just flat out appeal because of the unprecedented nature of the the ruling. Others think if they get this accommodation, then let's just be done with this because if they go the appellate route, then they appeal and then they seek to have the full court um, in Bonk review it. And then they go to the Supreme court and it could really Tie up the investigation. So, you know, there's a practical aspect to this, and then there's a legal precedent aspect. And Judge Cannon has been given an option to allow this special master to proceed, but without the uh, limitations on the investigation. We'll see how that works out. And
0: how well does this help? Uh, Donald Trump is crowing that this is vindication for him. Is that true?
2: Well, he temporarily delayed the lawsuit, uh, you know, the, the, the criminal investigation rather. Uh, he, he, he prevailed in a request for a special master. So delay is a victory, special master is a victory, but neither are outcome determinative of whether or not he'll be charged with a crime. So it's, it's, a, it's a delay. And I, I worked for a lawyer in the early part of my career who was a defense-minded um, lawyer. And he argued that the Supreme Court and had many, many very important cases. And I said to him once, what was your crowning achievement as a lawyer? And he said, my crowning achievement as a lawyer was, I once got an indefinite continuance. And <laughs> so here you have it if you know if he gets the continuances when you're being investigated for crime is a good thing even if in the end you get charged it's you know it's it's the governor stays the execution you know while he reconsiders the case for a month well that's good you got another month here so that's what this is it's a stay of you know i don't say execution that implies that he's going to be indicted but it's a stay of the of the matter pending final determination, but it doesn't impact the outcome of the final determination.
0: (laughs) John, where does this play in the Trump world?
3: (laughs) You know, um, in the Trump world or in the real world? Well, let's go Trump world, then the real world. Trump world, um, you know, I I think he gets to use this, as as Michael was saying, as um, bait. Trump world, he gets to say he's vindicated. Uh, Trump world doesn't have really anything to do with the real world, as you know, <laughs> and uh, in the real world, uh, you get real analysis like like Michael just laid out and all the credible analysis that I've heard is exactly what Michael said is this is the delay tactic. We go back to Trump world and this fits right in with his entire uh, adult life, uh, his business career, even as president, he would delay things. Remember infrastructure week? You know, that was, that was, that was its own kind of delay. Two hundred weeks of them, right? That was a delay tactic with the base. Um, And you, you, when you talk to to Trump, some Trump supporters now, you know, they will say he didn't do a lot for us. They might excuse it away. Um, Didn't have the Senate, you know, what have you lost the house. Um, But, you know, infrastructure week was a way to false promise to his supporters that he was going to do something for them. So now. You know, he's he's delayed this investigation um, by a few months. You know, if if they kick this thing, you know, if it gets back into high gear around the time of the midterms, he'll then get to say, well, look, it's political. There's an election and they just they just um, got this search warrant for, you know, I don't want to. You know, they got this search warrant for Rudy's apartment or something. I'm just a hypothetical. Um, and then he gets to say then in November, oh, look, it is political. So this is just all spin. A lot of his spin, you know, I, I signed up for Truth Social, and I'm keeping track of, of, of Trump's. Somebody's got to do it. It doesn't them. even make sense. Yeah. It, so, you know, this is just more, more of the same. But over here in the real world, um, I still think he's, you know, as, as I put it in something I wrote, it all runs together, as you know, Brian. Yep.
0: <laughs> Brian,
3: he's still in hot water the, the water is boiling he's in the pot and the water is boiling that, that doesn't I, change in the real world and
0: i will say point blank that i think we we all three of us we, we got to stay on point with donald trump this is how it plays in the trump world i got an email saying it was complete you know fallacious it was a a witch hunt and please send me money <laughs> exactly there you fundraising go. off of it of this uh particular delay yeah. tactic once again. but
2: Brian can I add something because it's sure I just want to segue away from this particular lawsuit to another lawsuit because it fits exactly what John said which is in the real world there are judges making decisions and in Trump world there is um, something else going on and in in uh, Florida a federal judge dismissed Donald Trump's lawsuit against former secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, saying there was no basis for the former president to claim that Hillary Clinton and her allies harmed him with an orchestrated plan to spread false information uh, that his campaign colluded with Russia. They filed a RICO lawsuit against Clinton and all these other people. And the judge- takes some balls. Right, well, the judge, so the judge dismissed the case, but the language of the judge is what I want to talk about for a second, because it fits into John's notion of real world versus Trump. The judge says, Trump is, quote, seeking to flaunt a 200-page political manifesto outlining his grievances against those who have opposed him. And this court is not the appropriate forum for that. The audacity of the plaintiffs' legal theories and the manner in which they clearly contravene binding case laws. Such pleadings are a waste of judicial resources And our unacceptable form of establishing a claim for relief. So here's this judge who's basically saying this complaint lacked substance, legal support for it, and it seeks, it says and it seeks without substance or legal support to substitute that with length, hyperbole. And settling of scores and grievances. That's the judge's language in dismissing the lawsuit. So I mean it's, it's <laughs> That's Donald perfect... Trump
0: in a nutshell. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> that's right. that's brother Don. <laughs> Don I, right. the Don. Couldn't
3: could not have summarized Trump
0: better. No, yeah. that's exactly what Donald Trump is. And speaking of Donald Trump, while we're still here before we we go away from this subject to the ever more important subjects at hand, including uh Joe Biden who is the current president and and <laughs> and other things that have happened well according is-
2: to some, That's yeah. according <laughs> to some. You, have to, you have to footnote that that bold statement according to reality
0: camera. uh but before we take off from there let's take a look at the state of the DOJ probes into Trump elsewhere and are we <laughs> are are we I you you said Michael that you know it uh if Donald Trump is indicted I still am of the opinion that eventually he will be but uh Give me a, a status update on those probes the Don.
2: Well, I mean, there's a lot of sure. things. There are a lot of there are a lot of things going on. You've still got Georgia ongoing. Yeah. And Lindsey Graham is now going to have to testify unless he appeals again. There have been many people who have been notified that they are targets, which means they have. Who a who's been mentioned
0: as targets besides Giuliani?
2: Well, um, most of the. Um, Fake electors, oh, yeah, and, and other um, key Republican uh, of officials. So the more the more the way prosecutors survive is by getting human beings to cooperate with them. And the more human beings who are notified that they potentially could be indicted, the more those human beings tend to say, well, can we make a deal because I may have information that you might find interesting so that's ongoing we heard recently that the new york financial case which we thought was dead um the the
0: district michael Cohen case
2: right yeah the the, um, district attorney um has said that no this case is still ongoing so we'll see because we had remember the plea from weisselberg the um, longtime accountant for the Trump organization to tax charges. He says he will not cooperate with the um, New York um, Michael Cohen case, we call it, but they can put him in a grand jury, immunize him, and make him testify in that case. So we'll see what happens, whether that case is really uh, <clears throat> in the water or there's life that's been breathed into it now that Weiselberg is going to plead guilty, is going to go to jail, and can be forced into the grand jury, with a um, a grand jury subpoena. He'll get under New York law immunity, but he still um, could have to testify. And if he lies, he could be charged with 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 lying. Well, and the generous- I, I see,
0: well before you go further, I see John over there with his the finger to his nose and grinning. <laughs> you yeah. got something for me, John? This is
3: this is more of a gut and just kind of watching things like this over the years than any legal analysis that's what michael's here for but brian you know i've always felt that trump is in the most legal jeopardy with these state investigations especially new york state and again it's just kind of a gut feeling and there's a lot there's a there's a deeper stack of stuff i mean you know he's 70 years old he's he got in business in his 20s Um, that's 50 years of stuff that they could maybe find. I don't know, statute of limitations and all that. Michael can speak to all that, but there's just more there. And I've always, i you know, he's bragged about skirting the legal corners and, and, and cutting corners on business and, and kind of, kind of bragging about cheating. It reminds me of growing up in the South with NASCAR. And, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, Del Earnhardt used to say, and, There's a little bit of that with Trump. So i just always suspected that the New York State investigations might be, if if somebody's going to get him, it it might be them.
0: Well, to your point and to Michael's point, I mean, the district attorney came forward and said, this case isn't dead. Well, that's not really kind of what they were saying. (laughs) You know, it it was on the back burner. They always said it's it's there, but now it's, so it makes me wonder what they came across or why they mentioned what they did mention, because it makes you suspicious or at least curious as to why. And I'm sure Stephen Miller had nothing to do with it, but that's, Uh and that's another one. Uh, I I mean, Stephen Miller being subpoenaed and uh, another, by the way, they showed a picture of Stephen Miller with uh, the other guy that they claimed was uh, subpoenaed, but that wasn't a picture of him. It was a picture of, of Hoagie. It was Stephen Hmm. and Hoagie. Hoagie. Yeah. Oh, Hoagie. So, uh, Michael, what else besides-
2: So, so again, to John's point, John is just fabulous today in setting up segues. On this this question of uh, is the New York case, you know, sort of that which is most jeopardizing, we found just this um, month of September that there is a deal announced between um, the Mazers accounting firm, remember that's Trump's accounting firm, and um, the House committee that subpoenaed these documents a couple of years ago, and in 2019, in fact, um, and they have now reached an uh, an agreement after the Court of Appeals ruled um, in the favor of of the House to be able to get Trump's financial records. They now have reached an agreement, no more lawsuit, no more appeals, and Mazers is now going to turn over four different categories of, of documents that the House committee has subpoenaed. And so now that's for a House investigation, not a criminal investigation. But of course, if in the course of reviewing those financial records that have now been turned over to the House, they find evidence of a crime and there's no statute of limitations that bars it, then those materials can be referred to the district attorney or. The Justice Department for criminal investigation.
0: So now that we've got bodes well for Donald, though.
2: So we've got a treasure trove of, of information that's coming over to the House related to financial dealings by Trump Org, and we'll see. Um, we'll see what what comes of it. Now the other thing in the, you have human beings and they get in jeopardy, and then they therefore find ways to try to. X or or whatever, get themselves out of it.
0: Extricate from it. Extricate. There you go, that's the word you were looking for. That's the editor in me, sorry.
2: If only I was a fluent English speaker, it'd be so much easier. (laughs) But we know that Bannon, Steve Bannon, has now been indicted on state charges of of fraud and money laundering for his uh, fundraising around Build
0: the Wall. You mean, Steve, they'll never take me alive, Bannon, that guy? That
2: guy. Well, Steve, they may may never take me alive. Bannon may also have information that he's willing to trade uh, to extricate himself from those legal troubles that implicate, how's that, extricate and implicate in the same (laughs) sentence. Um, As uh, long as you don't exculpate. (laughs) Well, that that will not be exculpatory to Donald Trump. How's that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Um, so, he, you know, he, so there's stuff that um, a lot of alliteration from anxious anchors. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> well, let me let me, before we go So, and then and then of course the last thing that you know maybe is the um gorilla in the room is um the January 6th um yeah. stuff and whether or not there is a conspiracy a suspicious conspiracy a regular cons- Conspiracy Obstruction of justice um, related to obstruction of a congressional proceeding. And then finally, I guess I should say, finally now, is whether or not Donald Trump is in legal jeopardy around the Mar a Lago obstruction of justice, um, records retention. You know, there's a lot of serious stuff going on in that case when we see news stories of possible nuclear. Um, related material um, uh, implicated and many many f- empty file folders where the documents are unknown. And the Justice Department has made quite clear that they don't trust that they have gotten <clears throat> everything from Trump as of yet, which I is why they say Donald
0: Trump. If you told me the sky were blue, but that's that's no. Just but
2: me. this is why back to the what we opened with when the when the when. The judge said, you have to stop your investigation. The Justice Department said, wait a second, this is an ongoing criminal investigation. It, you like, can't stop it. In, in, yeah. in, you know, in a white hot stage, you cannot put a pause on this investigation. And so um, we'll see. We'll right. see. Those are, those, that's sort of the universe of, of things that Trump world is facing from a legal standpoint.
0: So before we go to the break, real quickly from uh, and uh John, when we come back, we've got to start with you, but I want to stop wanna end with uh with this thought. Uh real quick, what's your thought? Donald Trump gets indicted or not?
3: I'm I'm in the yes uh, camp. I, I wasn't for a long, long time. And the last what month or two has has really changed my thinking on this. And um Again, I always thought it would be the state investigation. I think that's the New York state investigation. I think that's still likely, Um, but boy, oh boy, all he had to do was get on that plane on January 20th, fly to Mar-a-Lago, play golf, raise money, give the, the occasional speech, the occasional rally, be the GOP kingmaker, maybe run for president again, still be the kingmaker if you don't. That's all he had to do. And, and now look what he's done to himself.
0: Well, he's always done it to himself. Right. But I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think in, in some of the GOP sources that I've spoken to over the last month, the most shocking thing, the thing that people will divorce themselves from him uh, because of, nuclear secrets from right. country at Mar-a-Lago. Right. We've, since 2015, we've, we've all tried to
3: report this out. Where's the line for them? Where is it? And yeah. it seems like they, I think you're right. That that would be the line.
0: We finally <laughs> the rest of them finally found one. Liz Cheney found one on January 6th. The rest of them found one with nuclear secrets.
3: Right. The the blueprints to some Iranian nuclear facility in at Mar-a-Lago. I'm just that's a I'm speculating, but that's the line. We finally yeah. found it.
0: That's it. Michael, you think he gets indicted? I don't know.
2: I think that they are Uh, or cases. Well, I guess I lean toward thinking that there are cases that are worth indicting him on, but there's a calculation that one has to make, which is, is it worth it? And, you know, that shouldn't usually be a political, that political um, analysis shouldn't really factor into criminal law cases. But I think like Gerald Ford and Richard Nixon and other stuff, I think you got to take into account as a prosecutor some of the possible implications of it. But that said, I, I think that the the documents in um, Mar-a-Lago, if they turn out to have nuclear stuff in them, if he has, I think for me, if it turns out that they determine that there are still more documents in Mar-a-Lago that they they asked for them politely. They issued a grand jury subpoena and got some. They issued a search warrant and got some more. They were represented to have no more documents. If there's there's one more document um, that shows up in Mar-a-Lago that we can say uh, Trump or his lawyers knew about but didn't turn over, I think that you have to indict for obstruction.
0: And I'll go to break with this thought. I think the only More dangerous than uh, indicting him is not indicting him. Yeah. And so we'll take a break. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve.
0: And we're back. It's Just Asked the Question. I am your host, Brian Carman We're here with uh, Michael Zeldin, John uh, Bennett, taking a look at the wonderful uh, issues that have occurred this week. And John, I guess I want to start with um, you this time. Uh, the press this week uh, <laughs> has been uh, of keen interest. We've seen Jake Tapper on CNN and say it would be uh, kind of sly or wise for Joe Biden to invite uh, Donald Trump to the Queen's funeral, I, and of course, there was the the news that, uh, uh, which turned out to be a joke, I guess, that um, Donald Trump said he was privately knighted, but he's been going nuts on on his uh, truth social. And then, of course, the the emphasis that the press has given this week, and I put it this way, when uh, Joe Biden came out and made a speech to the nation about some very serious issues, it was not carried by national media. Right. However, when the Queen of England died, uh, King Charles III, his first speech, mm-hmm. in his country was carried by our national media. So, how have we done this week, John? I set you up for it that way.
3: <laughs> not, not, not so well. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I, again, you know, I tweeted. Oh God, I mean, the, the days and and nights run together, but. You know, very unfortunate. The Queen was respected around the world. I understand that. Um, she tried to she I think she sincerely, for the most part, tried to use her position to to help some people. Um, so, you know, I understand covering it. We can't not cover it. But the night that she passed, you know, the, the Washington Post, uh, they set up a, a newsletter devoted to that. And 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 it was wall to wall coverage at one point. I mean it was it was 6 p.m. or maybe in the 5 p.m. hour and I had CNN on for the most part that whole day. It was it was in the 5 o'clock hour I believe that they mentioned something about a Trump legal case. They didn't mention anything else all day and it was like that for the next next two days and I tweeted you know how much coverage is too much coverage and do we even know where that line is? Um it just felt frankly, it felt a bit of desperation for clicks and ratings. And again, as you said, you know, we have the president of the United States giving a major speech outside Independence Hall in in the the city where it kind of all started, Philadelphia. And as you say, the broadcast networks didn't take it live. Fox News didn't even carry it. Not surprising, but still. um, And so we kind of ignored that, and we were on to something else by the next morning, coverage-wise, and, you know, and we're still wall-to-wall. We're still wall-to-wall with a queen. On a country that we fought a war to get away from, and we fought a war to get away from this very monarchy, so it's very strange, but, you know, one thing that we don't talk about, and I, I meant to mention this, you asked us a few weeks ago, what would a media show or podcast Um, with Brian Stelter's show on CNN being canceled. This, we need to talk more and be more open, but we can't, right? Because corporate ownership, but
0: it's all about this. Oh, we can be open here. It's about the money, baby.
3: Yeah, it's all all about the money. And that's really, I think, we really exposed ourselves without exposing ourselves this week. Um,
0: Oh, I think we zipped the fly down and just waved our junk everywhere. Yeah, it was yeah, it, and it's it's still it's still a bit much.
3: I mean, you had you had cable anchors anchoring from New York um, one afternoon, and the next morning, the same people were standing outside Buckingham Palace. So, you know, we 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 really just bent over backwards and and moved literal mountains across the ocean to cover this. But we have our own president warning that his predecessor and most likely opponent in his reelection campaign is a threat to democracy. But a 96 year old woman who clearly was in failing health. Oh, by the way, she was 96. Um, yeah, it's 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 just all about the Benjamins.
2: So can I ask a question of, of you guys uh, that sure. I don't have any answer to, which is there's a lot going on apropos of the, the media and its way it covers things around the new leadership at CNN and whether it's trying to move CNN in a different direction. We see the canceling of Brian's show and then the release of uh, John Harwood um, from CNN with you know rumors that more changes in the offing. So what, what's your, I don't have an opinion about it. Um, I like CNN, I work with them. All the time, as you know. But what what are you? What's your guys' take about what, apropos of what John was just saying of, the way the media covered uh, these two sort of events, Biden on the one hand and the Queen on the other, and and the the swirling rumors about change being imminent in CNN.
0: John, I'll let you go first, and I'll 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 back clean up. You get to be lead off. Okay, I'll bunt. Um, <laughs> they, we. Swing away, baby. Swing away.
2: We love if the shift is on and you bunt, you're gonna get a hit. That's (laughs) right.
3: That's right. Especially with this blazing speed. Um, (laughs) um, if I don't pull something, multiple things. Um uh we love to cover ourselves is the first answer. We love it, we love nothing more than uh, to be able to talk about ourselves. Um, it's one of my least favorite characteristics about us, and I have been I have been as guilty as others in the past for full disclosure there. So I'm also talking, I'm also criticizing myself here. Um, we don't, but we don't cover ourselves very well. Uh, we, uh, it's very, uh, it's 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 just, it, it's just icky. That's the only word I can come up with. It feels icky when we cover ourselves and the way we cover ourselves. Um, you know, CNN, I think it is, um, I don't want to say noble to want to wanna be more down the middle and, and to try to get some, some of the more opinion-y shows, uh, you know, out of their lineup and some of the more opinion-y folks uh, off their payroll. But in this, you know, we're, as Tony Soprano said, we're running a business here and good luck, good luck making money doing that. You know, there's a reason that, that Fox and MSNBC have gone the way they have. And, you know, uh, you know, Fox, Prints money. CNN is still profitable, I, I believe. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think there's, I don't know if there's an appetite in the country for for what what he wants to do. Right,
2: let me just ask this, Brian, and follow up before you jump in, because I, you've got you've got in this. So Ted Turner sets up CNN, and when it's established, it's really like um am radio it's a loop of on the 8s is the weather on the you know on the on the 10s is sport you know that sort of thing and it's just bernard shore and others telling us what is going on and that was the place to go to to find out what was going on once they yes when the shuttle
0: disaster out. during uh yeah that's what made them the right six shuttle disaster and so
2: now they're saying well maybe we should go back to our roots and you see and this is the question i want to ask you see these upstarts of um, News Nation, which was I guess WGN, um, now have rebranded as News Nation out of Chicago. Who uh, wants that? Wants that middle lane? That's where Cuomo is headed. That's where Dan Abrams is. And then you've got Newsy, which is another uh-huh.
0: um, streaming news service that which started is, at my univer- at the University of Missouri. Right, which is another sort of down the middle so s-
2: there are there are smart media people who are thinking there's a middle lane here um and, but you're not sure that that is the case huh
0: well you think it's a- all
2: you think it's all going to be one opinion or the other opinion and no one has a appetite to just find out what the hell is going on factually
0: well, here's the bottom line i'll jump in bottom line is bottom line it's cheaper it's less expensive in the boardrooms to put talking heads on TV than to actually go cover news, which takes cameras and people with with experience to do. If you want to go middle of the road, and I would say vetted facts, and there's an appetite for it, and I believe that there is, uh, I, I do believe that you can make money doing it. But to do that, you need people with experience who know what they're doing. It's you would if you're going to hire a federal prosecutor to prosecute Donald Trump, you're not going to count on someone that comes straight out of high school or college to do it. You need someone who's got a lot of experience. If you're going to cover the nuance of news, which people do want, you've got to cover people who know what it is. I cannot emphasize enough how many times I've had reporters come to me and go. And and, and as an editor, I'm sure, John, you've seen it yourself. Reporters will come to you and go, hey. Hey. I got a great idea for this story. This is what I think. And I would always tell him, I don't give a shit what you think. I barely care what I think. What do you yeah. know? Vet your facts. You, we do I, John, I'll, I'll say I, 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 we do cover ourselves, but we do it very poorly. We don't have an ombudsman, which is what I think uh, you know reliable sources was supposed to be in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, an ombudsman from people who know what they're talking about, about the news would be welcome. These mistakes were made. This is what was going on. That's what happened. Here's a report. But if you, and and as the first and last guest on Reliable Sources, I I had no idea I was the first guest 30 years ago. I'm an old fart, but I, I, I do think that that kind of program is needed. But what Michael, to your point, What's really needed in this in this business, and I'll go back to CNN, uh, which was the initial question. What's really needed in this business are you, you need copy editors to edit copy and to take opinion out of copy and keep people on the straight and narrow. So if CNN, I am still on the fence about where they're going, getting rid of Steltzer, it doesn't mean that they've abandoned fact gathering getting rid right. of reliable sources doesn't mean they've getting <gasps> Harwood doesn't mean it does there's people are are going batshit crazy right now thinking they're they're headed to the right where the money is with with fox I, I i will hold my judgment on that until i see a little bit more it's still very early in the game but i if they really are wanting to go towards fat gathering you will see Fewer of these uh, panel shows where people sit around and argue for five minutes and do nothing, you'll see more legitimate reporting, and they'll hire more legitimate reporters with experience and not someone straight out of college. So I reserve judgment on all of that until I see how it unfolds in the next year or so.
3: Yeah, one thing that when I first heard the news and started reading about uh, what he wants to do there, I thought he was focused on the primetime lineup. Because yeah. that at CNN has turned to the left, um, yeah. but but then you know John Harwood was kind of the first the first big name to go, um, and he was not on at night. You know, he he was primarily morning and and into the afternoon with his reports uh, from and about the White House. Um, so you know if if he's gonna go up and down the lineup and not just prime time, um, you know this we'll see.
0: <laughs> We'll see. One of the things that I think is indicative of where they're going or where everyone is, and maybe not where they're going, is, John, as you were saying, talking about uh, the Queen's death and Charles III, and, you know, they they put Charles III's speech up live and not our president's. That was all about the Benjamins, as you said. That's So that if that's the case, then I have little faith that news will be anything more than it is crap until we do something about breaking up the media monopolies and i you know i'm back to that old you know Mm -hmm. again and that preach and that you know but that's it until you have until i see that i i'm not sure that we're headed where we're supposed to be headed
3: yeah it wasn't just the media this week i mean you know excuse me dc put up union jacks just union jacks downtown Up and down Pennsylvania Avenue. Now uh, this this is done. You know when the prime minister or the queen comes, they you know they'll hang. It'll be a threefold thing: Union Jack, American flag, DC flag. There were just Union Jacks. It was like 1776 never happened. It was very very strange. Very strange this week how um, Washington and the media responded to the Queen's death.
0: Yeah, well, and look, I, I think she was a fine human being I, I think that she did like you said the best she could with what she got but i i i care more about the policy of the united states and right. the and the abrogation of uh, our constitutional rights and the challenges that we face in the coming fall election all of those things more to me than the fact that the 96 year old queen of england died not to say that it isn't important not to right. say that it isn't something that's newsworthy but yeah. when the president of the united States I, in the here and now is saying guys this election means that you need to hear you don't really need to hear that the queen of england liked gorky's I, right? you know I, <laughs> I, oh, someone did
3: someone alerted this they not only wrote it they alerted it what happens to the queen's corgis now that yeah. a, <laughs> a, and by the way didn't the redcoats burn the capitol and the white house
0: yeah. And by the way, that's one of the things that, you know, one of the things I do when people come to visit, I tell them, if you look at the front of the White House, the first window seat to the right of in the front doors is unpainted. And why? If you look at it, there's scorch marks there. They purposely kept it unpainted so that we would forever remember that the British burned the White House.
3: And we lo- and, and the flags were ordered at both buildings to half-staff when the Queen... It was just, it's just this weird irony and um yeah is it no is it september 19th yet
0: <laughs> no but it is september 11th and that was the next thing i wanted to talk about before we go to break was um here we are 21 years later are we in a better place or in a worse place than we were prior to 9-11 michael I'll let you have that uh I'll let you lead well, off and Let john play yeah. cleanup well <laughs> Uh, um, I, I was a very
2: fast runner in in, in, in school, so I am, and, and I bat lefty, so I am bunting to the left side of the, yeah. the, left side of the field, which I would beat out um, repeatedly. But, uh, and I don't talk politics too much, as you know. But I, yes. I believe, as you know, because I've said it before, that the George W. Bush, um, Condoleezza Rice, and um, Vice President Cheney. Uh, attacks of um, Iran Iraq and Afghanistan uh, so destabilized the world that we're we're still suffering the consequent consequences of of that and um so are we in a better place I think the world is still very destabilized um and I don't think that's good John
3: I gotta say worse um. You know day to day we might not feel it but um overall uh you know things ain't great Uh, you know we've got like you said we the sitting president has to give a speech that the former president and his movement and could be the future president uh is a threat to the to the whole thing to the to the whole country the whole system so you know and yeah as michael said the world is is still a volatile place um we still have violent extremist groups. Uh, Russia, by the way, just invaded another country. China's threatening to do do, uh, the same thing with Taiwan. We don't necessarily recognize it officially as a country, but uh, there's just a sense of of instability. uh, And now it's also here.
0: Yeah, I I will finish that with this. (sighs) I have been to two conflict zones this year, and um, I... Michael, I think the world is, is, is teetering on, on, and I will, I remember I walked out the front door of a house that my great grandfather lived in, in Besheri, Lebanon last week. And I was the first member of my family to do that since my great grandfather, and my grandfather left 110 years ago. And I looked out and I saw that it was, the scene was about this, nothing has changed in that area in 110 years. And so I could look out the front door and see what my grandfather looked at and my great-grandfather looked at the last time they left the place. But something struck me besides that. And as I stood there, I said, my great-grandfather came to this country uh, because there was no electricity, there was no running water, there was no government, there was no hope for a future. And 110 years later, Lebanon is in the same position, and that is probably one of the most international cities on the planet. I mean, it's the it and it's at the western end of the spice routes, the eastern edge of the uh, uh, trading routes from uh, Europe, and the northern part of the trading routes from Africa. Where all three met, and you will see some of the friendliest people I've ever seen in my life, but. 110 years later, it seems the planet has is is still in the same place it was economically in some places, uh, like Lebanon. And I saw the corruption there, mm. and I see what's going on here. And if we don't fix what's going on here in 20 to 30 years at the most, we'll be where Lebanon is today. So I I seem to th- I think I fall in with you. I have hope, but I got to tell you, pal, after seeing what I've seen this year. It don't look good.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I wanted to add to that. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I make a point to see if the security guard is is near the main exit. I make sure to know, you know, where the, how to get in the milk cooler. I know, you know, have had this conversation at home. There's always a a back door uh, in a grocery store, just run toward, you know, where they bring the stock out and you can always get out, there's a back door. You know, you have to have the conversation now. If you go to the movies, um, you have to come up with a plan with your loved ones or your friends, wherever you're going with. That you know, if a shooter comes in, you know, you got to have at least a starter plan for getting out. Or you know, we've all probably told our wife, "Just get under me. You know, I'll I'll shield you." So you know, I don't think we can be better off when we have to have those conversations, and we have to have we have to have exit strategies for the grocery store. And yeah, G- and go ahead. And
2: I can just and, and of course. Layered on top of it, and predominantly, is African American families are having to do all of that and still have the talk, and right. still have the yeah. talk because they're right. because right. their right. sons and daughters are are, are still being um, treated. So you've got right. two two layers. You have not addressed the 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 gorilla in the room, which is that we are still a society that was built on on racial. Um, enslavement and and that continues now through the voter suppression efforts that are ongoing throughout the country and that is fundamental if we're going to ever become a democracy to to fix and then you've got what John has just said on top of that all we're 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 going to the movie theaters and seating not in the best seat in the center of the theater but maybe the one closest to the exit door
0: well as the son of a Lebanese immigrant who was called Sand inward growing up, I'll add this, now, I don't think this country appreciates how precariously perched we are. And I felt safer, I'll be honest with you, with what you said, John, I felt safer in Lebanon than I, in Beirut, than I do go into a grocery store today. And I never thought that one time that that it was going to be anywhere near as dangerous as going to, you know, a grocery store here. There's not there are more, there are more guns, and there's only six million people in Lebanon. There are more guns in the United States than there are people in Lebanon. Now, I know a couple of guys together probably have more guns than the people in Lebanon. You, you can go to NRA <laughs> rally and there'll be more guns. So yeah, I don't think this this country is um, and, and as far as racial profiling. You cannot dismiss the fact that um, there are people who have bought into that white fiction, the, the white American fiction of, of democracy, without really appreciating what a true democracy is. And some of those are the very immigrants who came over to this country just a generation or two ago. They think that they're privileged now. And I, I, that frightens me. We're going to finish up with probably the most important issue of the day, the upset of the Aggies in College Station. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, Just Ask the Question
0: podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's just asked a question. We can't get out of here today without talking football, of course, uh, or, or in Michael's case, baseball. But uh, John, uh, App State.
3: Pretty incredible. I did it again. <laughs> did it again. I, you, were uh, I, uh, you were doubting them. You were doubting them. There we go, baby, right there. That's, that's, that's what it's all about right
0: there. That, that's a good um, little helmet, but you doubted
3: them. I saw your tweet. Yeah, a great win yesterday at Texas A&M, uh, number six uh, team in the country. Well, they were. They won't be uh, when the new top 25 poll comes out uh, here shortly. Um, just a, a really dominating win, a really tough win. Uh, Abstate State from the Sunbelt Conference, you know, medium-sized school in Northwest North Carolina. They beat Michigan. Um, 20-something years ago in Ann Arbor, uh, beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill, beat South Carolina in Columbia, near misses uh, at Tennessee, at Penn State. I can't talk about the Miami game. We let that one slip away, too. <laughs> well, We've had oh, just close calls in these big games. Um, and, of course, we, we play them because it's, it's great exposure. And that end zone facility with the weight room and the locker room and the meeting space and the bar and grill – well, that was partially financed. So we got paid over a million dollars yesterday uh, to beat Texas A&M down there. Just did the program is just it's so solid. Um, well, I hate so entertaining.
0: That anybody, we, that we'll that
3: play. We'll play anybody anywhere. Don't shy away from anybody. I'm not sure about Alabama, but uh, we'll play anybody else uh, just about anywhere. Just a great win, and I didn't think it possible because the SEC. You know, it's one thing to hang with North Carolina or beat. A mid-level ACC team, or even South Carolina, which is kind of lower, middle, lower tier of the SEC, but Texas A&M, that's just a different athlete that they can get down there with Jimbo Fisher, who came over from Florida State, and I didn't take it seriously until about eight minutes and 30 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, and I told my wife, I said, wait a second, this might happen. I should, I should get on the edge of the couch. I was, you know, it's <laughs> kind of like, okay, Texas A&M is going to score here. You know, they ran the, a kickoff back, and I said, okay, here come the Aggies. They're going to wake up. They're going to put us away. And we got the ball back and just pounded it right down the field. Ab State, State, time of possession, we had the ball for 41 minutes in College Station. Uh, The Aggies only had the ball for 19 minutes. So it was just (laughs) a good, complete team win, and I couldn't couldn't be more proud. And College Game Day, going to be in Boone next Saturday morning for the first time. And um, I am available, Woo! ESPN. I am
2: available to be the special guest picker <laughs> at the end of game day. Just, just call me. Just so, get- and I think the thing that's really important, John, about that game, besides the fact that they won, is they held Texas A&M to 14 points. Right. I mean, that, that's. I mean, if this was not one of these games where Appalachian State wins 53 to 48. This was a 17-14 right. grinded out win. It was amazing. And, 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 and I have to say to Jimbo's Fisher's credit, when he asked him after the game, what do you have to say about this? He said, they're a great football team and they just beat us all over the field. And it's yeah. a coaching failure, which I've got to you know take on my shoulders and we'll look at film and see what we need
0: to do better. But they just flat out beat us. Well, She's the question right. is, do people overlook them anymore or do they prepare for them? I think after you beat the Aggies, everybody's going to be geared up to beat uh, App State.
3: Yeah, I, I think with, you know, these are five-star recruits. They didn't get recruited by App State. They didn't get offers. You know, I, I still think some of the, the players might overlook App State, uh, might overlook Marshall. And Marshall went into uh, Notre Dame yesterday and, and won. We
0: um, are Marshall.
3: So that's, that's a big win. The Sun Belt. Uh, I watched uh, the Nebraska with a good friend of mine last night. They lost to Sunbelt Georgia Southern at home last night in a close game. So, you know, I, I think there is a, there, there, I think it's a mental thing where these – some of the players, some of these five-star recruits probably think, oh, you know, we'll just go through the motions at practice. Um, just enough that it allows us to, to kind of punch them in the mouth early – and they don't really realize that, you know, we're pretty good too until it's it's too late. And they're in, you know, second quarter and they're down, you know, you're down a touchdown to App State or Georgia Southern or Marshall. And um, then there's a little bit of panic, I think, that sets in. And I think we saw that with Texas A&M yesterday. They made some mistakes down the stretch and certainly with Nebraska last night. So, uh, so it was did, just a great day for the Sun Belt. You know, they added uh, Marshall, James Madison, um, Old Dominion and Southern Miss um, in the offseason. and this is this is going to be a really fun conference to watch, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And with all this awful stuff that we've been talking about for over an hour here, boy, it's nice on Saturday to just turn on and unwind and just let it run. And it's just such a great, it's a day long distraction and an escape from from everything
2: else. Well, so let, let me one question, let me one question, and then I'll okay. let you go. So Appalachian State is one and one. Who who did they who did they lose to in their opening game? We lost in
3: the opener uh, to North Carolina, uh, our big brother, uh, at home. It was the it was our home game of a three game contract. We have to go back down to Chapel Hill, where we beat them three years ago, um, and we lost 63 to 61 in our opener to North Carolina. Um, scored 40 points in the fourth quarter and, and somehow still lost the game. That was, See, a, that, tough what, win.
0: What, what was a tough one. What that always tells me from coaching and playing the sport is that at the end of the day, it's, it's your attitude on the field. The biggest challenge that any coach faces in, in a football game is getting 11 people to work together in unison for, the great, for their greater good and not for indiv- and, and no matter what the obstacles. And if you can get them to buy into that, you can win anything. But when you play like the difference in the uh, the difference between playing North Carolina and playing the Aggies, North Carolina is a known quantity. And you have a familiarity and that familiarity breeds sometimes not the best outcome. But you go down to the Aggies, you know what you're facing, you know, Chigiguru Garim. I still can't stand their tears much. Yes, they're, they're yell leaders. But um, you you go down there and you know what it is that you're facing. It's an uphill battle, and that's that that's fantastic when you can overcome those odds. I still think that the best people I've ever worked with in a business environment have played a team sport, and they know what it is to to have to give up for something bigger than themselves. And I'm going to shift now gears. No, oh,
2: so you're 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 supporting uh, Nick Saban for the next Speaker of the House? To- uh, hell
0: no. So, but i will say michael you got to do something this week you got to see somebody in concert i've never seen uh and and you got to talk and i my band does some of his songs so how was it going to see uh, you know the man the myth the legend and you can tell us about that so we went to
2: see van morrison and and you know of course with van morrison you've got to. Put aside his politics. He's, you know, <laughs> uh, been accused of a lot of anti, you know, Semitic, and uh, he's clearly an anti-vaxer. He won't perform in a in an arena that requires uh, mandates masks. So, you know, there are some people who won't listen to his music, but you know, I'm one who judges people on their music and their politics as is their politics, and that's I'm not yeah. going there to hear them give a, a political speech. I'm with you. But not everyone agrees with that, especially when it comes to, you know, he has a a song called They Control the Media, which is, you know, pretty much an anti-Semitic trope. But um, (laughs) that all aside, he put on a a, a terrific show. Did he do Brown Eyed Girl? That was the, um, that was the encore. The the encore was, um, I'm pretty, pretty quite certain, was Brown Eyed Girl and Gloria. Remember, Gloria was his first song that he sang with them. with his band. We um, close
0: our second set with that song when we play. Right.
2: So <laughs> he played, he played um, a couple of of his hits, maybe two of them, but like not Moon Dance, none none of that really wow. famous stuff. None of it. It was really mostly music? none of that. No, wow. mostly it was uh, uh, you know sort of a. a jazz blues covers of Sonny Williamson and other stuff and he just banged right through um, it he didn't he he didn't speak but one time to say this song is dedicated to somebody um, and he just and it was so interesting to watch him because he had a fabulous band and I don't think the band completely knew what song was coming next <laughs> he would like, as, as, the, as the song ended, he turned to them and he'd say, I'll make up a song, Blue Velvet. And then bam, they'd play yeah. Blue Velvet. That's just a made up name. And, right. then, and then maybe they play, they knew what came after Blue Velvet. And then he'd turn and say, you know, Green Velvet. And then, <laughs> and you'd watch the lead, you'd watch one of the guitar players, you know, how they switch guitars during, yeah. from song to song. And the lead guitarist uh, or the, one of the guitarists, as the song that they're playing is coming to an end he takes the strap of his guitar off so he's ready to immediately put it down and grab the next guitar guitar. um because he knew that there was not going to be a break that the song was just gonna bleed right into the to the next song and and he powered through a lot of songs and he sung great and um I'm glad I went. Uh, It was the only time that I can remember having seen him, Um, and 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 it was. We saw some good concerts this week. We saw Bonnie Raitt, we saw Jackson Brown, we saw um, Van Morrison, we saw uh, Brian Gibbons. Um, So good, good music this um, this summer at Wolf Trap.
0: Well, and this Saturday, I'm going to go see the Rhythm Bandits at That's Amore. And then a week after that at Hershey's. So you guys are welcome to come out and join us when we come out and play. Listen, guys, thanks again. It's always fun. And we'll do it again next Sunday. The name of the show is Just Ask the Question. And this is our weekly review of what happened uh, in news. And, of course, uh, <laughs> what happened with media. And we suck. So that's a lot of lying to that. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.